Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Pertech has teamed up again with the sport's biggest stakeholders to create the third annual Ultimate Bathurst Experience, with all proceeds going straight to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. The winner and their guest will be treated as super VIP guests at the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October this year, with a number of behind-the-scenes experiences, all part of the major prize. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled, giving everyone the chance to be involved with a limited number of tickets being offered at just $20 each. For a full list of prize inclusions and to buy your tickets for a chance to win this once-in-a-lifetime experience, visit ultimatemotorsportprize.com.au. A a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all put together by the great team at Pertech. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. This is the Legend Series with Welsh-born Big Jim Mills. Part two. Enjoy. I just stamped. It, it looked a lot worse what it was. It was a, it was a glancing blow. It, it didn't copy face head. But it looked terrible. And uh, Well, it was terrible. I should never have done it. And I've always... I, I cannot to this day explain why I did it. It was just a wow. moment of madness. You know, just something clicked in my head. And because it's something, the referee's there, everybody's there, you know, to do that was bloody unbelievable. And when I watch it now on TV, I, th- I think to myself, how the hell have I done that? Because all the times I've been sent off, I've never been sent off a kick at anybody. And mm. yet I stamped on John Greengrass that day for some, I think the only thing I think I was mad that he scored and... Uh, yeah. Something just clicked in my head, and uh, for that split second, I, I, I wasn't with it, though, I don't think. Anyhow, uh, poor old John went off with a few stitches, and uh, the French referee said off. And uh, I thought I'd let the lads down here because it was near coming towards the end of the game, I think. And uh, we were winning, and I thought we cost them the game, you know, if New Zealand mm. score again. And uh, anyhow, they held out. 24, 23, something like that. We won by a point, I think. Wow. Anyhow, uh, after the match, the New Zealand lads stayed and went in, and the Welsh lads did. The Welsh lads were talking to them, but obviously they weren't bothering me. Anyhow, that, that was it. It was all over. And uh, oh, I was uh, New Zealand by me for life. And mm. uh, and then uh, the rugby league banned me for uh, six months, I think it was. And we had a solicitor, a witness, a solicitor who was on the board, and he said, we're going to appeal against this, Jim. He said, there's no way you should be banned for all this time and the witness lose you, lose you for playing in an international. I said, oh, don't don't leave it alone, Frank. Anyhow, he, uh, he carried on, the directors uh, told him to. And they appealed, and he made it 12 months. So they doubled it. So anyhow... Uh, Frank being Frank or a barrister, and anyhow, uh, the uh, by all accounts, this committee they called to ban me for twelve months and uh, increased it by six months. Uh, it was a committee that's not an official committee; they just made it up. 
like it's some sort of a dis. So wow, the, when it come to when it come to the court, the uh, they they it it didn't go right to the uh, the verdict at the end. They just agreed with one of the the, uh, the lawyers, and they said uh, it's illegal. This this uh, panel that you've called yeah. to us to ban him, they, they're not part of it. They're not in the rules. So anyhow, I, w- I went back to the six months ban. So uh, that wasn't bad, but uh, as I say. I get fed up of apologising about it, but uh, I'm very, very sorry about that incident because I uh, it was totally wrong of me, and I, I just can't understand how I done it. Just can't understand it. I mentioned that there's a, a nice end to the story. About 15 years ago, John visited oh, yeah. the UK with his family, and you were the first yeah. person he got in touch with. You caught up and spoke for the first time after all these years. That's That's really cool. Well, that's right. Uh, I, I remember that, uh, in fact, it was a bit funny, really, because uh, my phone went at home here, and uh, this chap says, uh, hello, Jim, it's John Greengrass. And I thought, it's an Aussie taking a mick here, you know what I mean? I thought, yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, I just said, oh, is it John Greengrass? So I put the phone down, put the phone down. Anyhow, about a quarter an hour later, I got another phone call. And it was John's wife, Chris Christine. She said, "Jim, it is it's, it's Christine Greengrass. John's he wants to speak to you." Oh, I said, "All right." I said, "I, I said I had a bad line. I couldn't hear the way." So anyhow, John came on. He said, "I, Jim." I said, "I, John. Nice to hear from you." He he, he said, uh, "Listen, I'm coming over to see my son in London." He said, and they were coming for a few weeks' holiday. We're going all around. So I said, well, John, you'll have to come up to me and stay with us for a bit. Anyhow, uh, he came over and met him at uh, at uh, Liverpool Airport. He flew up from London. And uh, we went out and had some nice meals with the wives and everything. And uh, I, I, when we got together for a pint on the quiet, I said, you know, I said, I'm awful sorry, John. I've always regretted it. I don't know why I've done it. I said, but uh, it, you know, I appreciate you coming over because that that's helped me a lot. Coming and uh, you know, saying saying you know, you forgive me, like, and uh, it, it it really was nice. And uh, he, he I, I arranged for him to go down North Wales. He wanted to go round. My mate's got a guest house down there. He stayed down North Wales for for free and everything, and he had a lovely time. Anyway, we come back over again about two or three years after that with his wife. And uh, we had another nice time. And then uh, he was travelling around. He went up to Scotland, I think, and everywhere. And uh, I got I got to know him really well, you know, and he was a lovely lad, you know. And uh, that was it, more or less. And I still speak to him now. I spoke to him a few months ago on the phone. I really give him a ring. Uh, sadly, Christine died about six, seven months ago. So he's a bit down in the dumps now. So, uh, but uh, as far as that goes, you know, uh, I'm so pleased I made up with him, and uh, and it's just, you, it's something I, I, well, you can't forget it. It's happened, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm very sorry for that. Jim, I did one of these legend series interviews with the great Malcolm Reilly, your mate. He told me he regretted the fact that. A lot of fans remember the bad stuff, not always the good stuff. Yeah. 
Do you, do yeah. you know what he means there? Are you the same? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. They always go on about me. You get these after-dinner speakers over here, you know, and they say, oh, Jim was sent off 21 times. And it's cotton on, people think. He was sent off 21 times. I was, I think it was 15 times I was sent off and two for two uh, cautions, two games for two cautions, and one game was not guilty. So, really... I was sent off about 11 times. And, uh, you know, when you when you think you've played about 12, 13 years, it's, it's you know, it's only averages out about once a year, mm. baby. And, uh, you, you know, you get a bad name over that. And yet, like, uh, I won every cup in the game over a year and everything. I, I, uh, I scored uh, 70 tries. So... You, you know, uh, I done well, really, you know, in the game. And I, I don't want to be rem- remembered as a, a bit of a toughie, you know. Mm. There were lots of moments. There were lots of fights when fights were one-on-one. I'm going to ask you, because you were seen as the tough guy, Jim, who did you mm. think were the tough ones? Who were the ones that you kept your eye on? Uh, Big Arthur was tough. Uh, John O'Neill was a t- tough lad. Yeah. And uh, uh, there was a well. There was every every team had a bit of a toughie in it. You know what I mean? They were, they were all tough. Uh, I remember one incident with Arthur was down at Swansea, same place, and uh, it's always a bit of a fight early on with, with Australia and Wales and whatnot. And uh, I remember it, it went into the touchline. The both teams were fighting like hell, and uh, I was. I was fighting with Arthur, and uh, next I, I started getting a load of punches on the back of my head because everybody, I, somebody was trying to help, help Arthur out, and I was getting whacked, and I must have had half a dozen punches in the back of my head, and I I didn't want to turn around because if I'd have turned around, Arthur would have about hit me. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, luckily John Bevan came off the wing and hit it, and it was. Uh, I seen it. What it was, Greg Vivers, the prop from Queensland. Yep. And uh, I looked who it was, and I thought, well, your cards are mad now. Anyhow, uh, there was only about twenty minutes to go in the game, and we were down the far end, and he was just walking past me, buying his business. Anyhow, I flattened him, <laughs> and uh, and there he was. He, the, I. Not many people see me because, uh, but all the Australian, all the Australian bench see me, Graham Langlands and everything, and they all stop Millsy referee that Millsy. Anyhow, uh, they brought him round after about ten minutes, <laughs> and uh, Arthur had the prop against me then. I, I don't think Arthur knew what happened, and uh, prop against, and and then after about ten minutes when they brought him round, he came back and he was propped and he was white as a sheet, you know. And his legs were shaking, and I, I looked at him, and I just winked and thought, "That's what you get for giving me a punch." <laughs> but it was a, uh, it was a bit of fun in them days, you know. You had uh, great battles and a bit of fun, but like Arthur ah, was a great footballer and everything. You know what I mean? It was loads of tough lads, especially when I played in Australia. Plenty of tough lads. Pertech has teamed up again with the sport's biggest stakeholders to create the third annual 
ultimate Bathurst experience, with all proceeds going straight to the Peter Duncan Neurosciences Research Unit at St Vincent's Hospital. The winner and their guest will be treated as super VIP guests at the Repco Bathurst 1000 in October this year, with a number of behind-the-scenes experiences, all part of the major prize. The prize is not being auctioned, it's being raffled, giving everyone the chance to be involved with a limited number of tickets being offered at just $20 each. For a full list of prize inclusions and to buy your tickets for a chance to win this once-in-a-lifetime experience, visit ultimatemotorsportprize.com.au. A a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, all put together by the great team at Pertech. Interesting story, Jim, but after the 75 World Series, is it true both Manly and Canterbury tried to tempt you to return to Australia? Yeah, yeah. Ken Arthurson wanted me to go to Manly and uh, Canterbury wanted me to go there, yeah, yeah. They offered me just for the end of that season, you know, and uh, forget what happened, but I had some things to do at home, you know, and uh, I, had to get, I had to get back, really. Mm. Some wonderful coaches over your time. I would imagine you enjoyed the wild bull, the the great Vince Coralius, who you've spoken about so fondly already. I I think the two of you together would have been terrific. Oh, I used to get on great with Vinny. I I miss him a lot because when he retired from his big scrap yard, he made a lot of money and he went to live on the Isle of Man. Mm. And uh, I'd ring him a few nights a week and we'd always have a good chat about everything and uh, ask her where he was going and then uh, I, I'd go over to visit him on many occasions uh, and we'd uh, have a good time, go out and have a long walk. He loved walking, you know, and chatting about the game and he was a lovely, lovely man and a lovely man to listen to, you know. He was so enthusiastic about the game and everything, you know. He tells stories. He was very funny. He's a funny man, you know. And uh, I used to have a great laugh. And I remember uh, a few years back uh, when Vinnie was alive, uh, uh, Tom Mitchell, who was chairman of uh, Workington, he was the manager on the tour when they went, you know, when they called Vinnie the Wild Bull of the Pampas. Tom Mitchell was the uh, tour manager. And they're very close, Vincent and Tom. And Tom is... He uh, he wrote me, he said, Mills, we're going over to see Vincent. He said, uh, pick me up at so-and-so services. I've got the air tickets. Anyhow, I picked him up and we had a we had a great week over there, you know, with uh, Vincent and they were telling their old stories, you know, and uh, great character. And uh, sadly, poor old Vin lost his life with uh, prostate cancer, mm. I think he got. Yeah, but... And uh, went to his... Went to his funeral. Yeah, lovely, lovely man, lovely man. Very hard man. Yes, extremely hard man with a, a reputation for being uh, a genuine tough guy, but a genuine, you know, sweetheart yeah. off the field as well. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen seventy-eight, and and here's an indication of just how strong uh, Great Britain rugby league was. In seventy-eight, the governing body named the first ever. World Rugby League 13. It was Graham Eady, Australia, John Atkinson, Great Britain, Steve Rogers, Australia, Jean-Marc Beret from France, Green Vigo from South Africa, Roger Millwood and Steve Nash, both from Great Britain, were the halves. 
the front row, a good-looking bloke called Jim Mills, who <laughs> was with Keith Elwell, Steve Pitchford. There was Terry Randall, George Nichols, and Greg Pearce, two Australians and a Great Britain in the back row. What type of honour was that? Because that's an organisation saying you're the best in the world at what you do. At the time, maybe at the time, but but I always think with all these great sides, you know, you know, everybody has an opinion, and mm. uh, everybody could pick a different team and everything. But you know, it's it's very satisfying to see your name up there with them, you know. So uh, you know, it was it, that was nice to see. I remember that getting picked, and uh, you know, it uh, makes you feel good that you 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 know you you, you stamped your mark on the game. A two-time Hall of Famer. Witness Hall of Fame and the Welsh Sports Hall of Fame in retirement, Jimmy. What does that mean to you? Well, the the, the, the Welsh Hall of Fame, you know, to a Welshman is, uh, you, you know, I couldn't believe it when I got put in it. Uh, you, you know, for a few reasons. One of the reasons was I thought the the incident with John Greengrass. I thought, thought that might go against me, but. Uh, you know, I always remember years ago, I used to go down with Billy Boss, and Billy was the first one put into the Welsh Hall of mm. Fame when he started it. And uh, I used to go down to the dinners with him and uh, to see the people there, Gareth Edwards and uh, John Charles, the soccer player, and uh, the, the, the boxers and all these wonderful Welsh people, you, you know, household names. And, uh, you know, to be put in the, in with them people, you know, these household names, mm. I, I just think to myself, it was the biggest honour of my life. And I said it the night they presented me with the uh, award. And uh, I wish my mother and father was alive just to see me yeah. being, you know, inducted into the Welsh Hall of Fame because uh, it really is, uh, you know, a great honour, a great honour. In fact, this Thursday coming... Uh, it's the official dinner for the Hall of Fame. I'm going down on next Thursday with Billy, with Billy Boston. And uh, some new people will be put into the Welsh Hall of Fame. And uh, there's a big, big dinner and it's once a year. And that everybody for 2023 will be put in. Maybe half a dozen might get put in from different, you know, athletes. They could be cricketers, they could be whatever, boxers. And so uh, it's... It's the biggest honour I've ever had and, uh, you know, I've got a lovely trophy there and, uh, well, just brilliant. In retirement, many and varied jobs, including off-field, in the game for for witness in particular. But I want to know about the nightclub business and you with one of my previous guests on the podcast, the great King Kurt Sorensen. I can imagine yeah. there'd be no fooling around in Jim and Kurt's pub. Yeah. No, no, that's right, Kurt. He well, he, he was playing. I'd retired, and Kurt was playing for Witness, and I was on the board. Anyhow, uh, it was me and another lad, a scrap man in Witness called Sammy Evans. He, uh, me and him, got together one night, and we were in this nightclub was run down in Witness. And I said to Sammy, I said, "You know what?" I said, "If this, if we done this place up, there's a big car park at the back." I said, "Well, it'll go well." This, I said, "It's just a dump," and he said. Well, let's make an offer for it. So we made an offer for it, and we got it, knocked him down, and uh, it, it it went for thirty years. Thirty years it wow. went for, and I, well, it was when Kurt was sort of just finishing playing, was he? It might have been just finishing playing, and 
I was thinking of getting out of it because I'd been in there for 20 odd years. You know, I had an, I was up there and I, I thought Kurt couldn't afford to buy me out. So I think Sammy helped him out a bit. And uh, what I'd done, I, I sold uh, Kurt uh, 25% of the uh, business, you know. And uh, he enjoyed it, Kurt. He was very helpful. He brought plenty of players in and everything. And uh, it was it went well. And then when Kurt wanted to go go home, uh, we bought we bought him back out, and he uh, he he retired back to Australia. So uh, he was in it for a few years, Kurt. Yeah, but uh, smash it, had good forward, great. Jimmy, do you still love the game and the product in twenty twenty three, or has it changed just a little too much? Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, I don't think I'm on my own with farmer players. Maybe we're maybe we're a bit old in our ways, but. Uh, it just seems to be the football's gone out of it. You know, the great yeah. footballers, you know, the Roger Millwards and all these, and the Fultons and these players. It's just bang, bang, bang. It's all about defence and defence. Mm. And, uh, you know, you take the ball and three or four people are hitting you before you've taken a stride. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, I think it's... Uh, they're very fit lads because they're full-time professionals and all that, but... Uh, the game itself, how they've changed it, it's it's not great to watch because, you know, what they should do is play these games like that third test against Australia and see the football in them mm. games, how the people were getting slipped through gaps and, you know, and uh, it's great to watch. Better than watching these bang-bang. Now, I love watching, like, the, the grand final in Australia and everything. It's, it's great, but I don't think it's as great as it uh, it once was. No. But then again, it's it's, the, it's how the game has developed, and uh, and now that they're, they're very worried about head head injuries as well with the people getting dementia. I personally don't think it's the head knocks that's bringing all the. Uh, I don't think it helps, but I don't think it's that that brings on because I know a tremendous amount of boxers, uh, world champions, and I think mean, uh, down Wales and whatnot, friends of mine. And uh, none of them's got dimension. Now, who gets hit on the head more than a boxer? Not many. You don't get hit on the head more than mm. a boxer. And I'm not saying there's no boxers that don't get dementia, but uh, there's not many I know that got uh, dementia. If you read about them, not, not many at all. Even Mohammed Ali didn't have dementia. He uh, he, he had uh, what the, what was it called? Uh, uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, no, Parkinson's, had, uh, Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's, yeah. Parkinson's, yeah. Parkinson's. Yeah, so... Uh, Mate, 79 yeah. next week. How's your health? Are you are you well apart from the knees? Yeah, I, I'm pretty good apart from my knees, you know. Uh, I'm, uh, I've, I've got a nice place in Spain. I'm going I'm going off there now in... Uh, in uh, when am I going? On the 18th, I'm off to Spain for a month. So, but it's... Nice bit of sunshine there for me, and uh, you know I've been going there same to my apartment to, uh, for the for the last twenty uh, odd years. So uh, keeps me going. I get on my bike over there; it's all nice and flat. There's no hills, <laughs> so I ride my bike up and down the down the up and down the pram. The, the wife walks, and I ride I ride my bike behind her. Yeah, it's terrific. <laughs> Games with Halifax, Salford, Bradford, Northern, North Sydney, Widnes and Workington Town, a proud Welsh representative on 17 occasions. 
with also Great Britain Lions representation all up over 400 first-class games in the toughest position on the field, a two-time Hall of Famer, a genuine enforcer with a reputation as the biggest and the baddest of them all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Jimmy Mills, you, sir, are a legend. Thanks, thanks, Andy. Nice to meet you as well. Great. Thanks very much. In 2023, this is what you can expect from Unfiltered. The Legend Series starts your working week, featuring interviews with some of the game's finest, in-depth and personal. We talk footy and life in a subtle mix you can't or won't hear anywhere else. On Thursday, the Rugby League Superpod returns 12 different player interviews every single episode. It's fast-paced, and if you like a laugh with your footy, this is for you. It's the weekly show you can't miss. Then on Saturday, it's Dream Team time. Who would you name in your best ever 13? We ask that question to players past and present. We don't always agree, but that's what it's about. The ultimate argument starter. Who is the best 13 ever? Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date on who's coming onto the podcast. We're all over Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Andy Raymond. Or you can check out the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Before you go, do a mate a favour and when you're done here, leave a five-star rating and write a quick review for us on the podcast app you're listening on. In terms of business, it's huge for us and it allows us to keep creating the content you love for free. Make sure you come back soon. Legends 